You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, folks, to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame athletics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode, I will be joined by Locked On Syracuse's Tyler Aki. We are going to talk about this weekend's matchup as it is very important for Notre Dame's potential future of making it into the uh, the March Madness tournament as well as doing better in the ACC tournament. A lot of things weighing on this, so stay tuned for that for the final two segments of today's show. And we're going to start the show off with a discussion on some bet online odds related to Notre Dame football, some futures odds. And as we like to talk betting on this show, we're going to get into that. Before we do, though, folks, I am Joe DeLeon, former college long snapper from the University of Rhode Island, joined by Ryan Roberts. The director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. We are two diehard Notre Dame fans. Let's get into this, though, Ryan. We've got some fun odds. Uh, it was sent over to us by Ross, who uh, is with the network doing his own shows. And our partnership with Bet Online gives us these uh, access to these interesting odds. I want to go through the, the first one here. So we've got Heisman betting odds for the Heisman Trophy, you know, chances of, of people to to win it. You know, the, what, what what is that? What are the current odds for them to end up being the victor here? And if you want to place any bets, fully encourage you to do so because there are some interesting ones. I'm going to rattle through these, Ryan, not all of them. Spencer Rattler at plus 350 is the number one. Right behind him, Bryce Young plus 550 from Alabama. JT Daniels plus 700 for Georgia at third. And then DJ Uyunglele uh, plus 800 Um the quarterback from Clemson, Sam Howell, plus 1,000 quarterback from UNC. D.R. King, Miami quarterback, is at plus 1,200. And then there's a, a clump of guys that are in the 2,000s behind all of these players and where a Notre Dame player sits. Kyron Williams makes the list at plus 5,000. A couple people after him. We do have Zay Flowers of Boston College, of all people. Carson Strong, somebody who Ryan is very familiar with personally. And then above, some other names, Emory Jones, Graham Mertz. So we've got some interesting, weird names out there that I think are a little bit odd. I don't want to go into the semantics of the ordering of the non-Notre Dame guys because there are some goofy orderings. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't I don't know how that DJ Uyunglele is lower than JT Daniels. But Kyron Williams, I think that's a pretty accurate assessment of where he fits. And if anything, folks, not saying bet the mortgage, but like 50 bucks on this, 20 bucks on this, you could get like a really nice payout for a uh, an interesting guy on there. Kyron Williams is going to be productive next year. And it's, I mean, it's tough because, I mean, the Heisman is a quarterback-driven award for the most part, right? Like we've always talked about the MVP race in the NFL it's it's you know the majority has been the quarterbacks you get you do get your occasional like Derrick Henrys of the world who just Reggie Bushes those guys that absolutely dominate the college landscape and then you know capture the award but for the most part it's a quarterback centric award it, so betting money on a non quarterback usually isn't the wisest wager of all time I will say just from the Notre Dame perspective though it's nice to see that Kyron's getting some notoriety because you rattled off right. about. Six or seven names to start there at the top of the list, all quarterbacks, you know, all of them. 
Uh, Zay Flowers is a weird one, wide receiver out of Boston College, and I like a bunch. <laughs> but being one of the only non-quarterbacks on the list and one of the highest non-quarterbacks on the list, I, I mean, it's an accomplishment in amongst itself. So, and, and so the other running backs that are ahead of Kyron are all names that make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So we have Brees Hall from Iowa State. Sure. That one makes sense. It goes quarterback, 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 all in that clump there. Then Brian Robinson Jr., the Alabama running back who's taking over for Najee Harris, uh, is above Kyron Williams, and that's it. Yeah. Those are the only two players. I think it's a tiny bit questionable to have a, a running back who hasn't done anything yet above Kyron Williams. But, heck, I, I'm going to keep saying this probably throughout the offseason that Kyron Williams – as a betting dark horse for the Heisman is a, is a pretty good uh, investment. Yeah, you know, yeah. no, don't put a couple thousand dollars on it. That's pretty stupid if you don't have that kind of money laying around. Twenty bucks if you're a Notre Dame fan, why not? Then you can root for the guy to win the Heisman, make some money off of it. That's true. Yeah, and that's a good point about Brian Robinson being in front of. Him. I know he's the Alabama running back, so like I get it. But yeah, now I, I think Kyron's at least an interesting wager, right? Like he's a he's a, and it makes it fun to watch him and really root for him every week. And when you think about it, with Ian Book gone and Jack Cohn potentially taking over, uh, wide receivers replacing both starting wide receivers next year, it's going to be a run centric team for Notre Dame. And and Kyron Williams has also shown, which is a big bump in his projection, to be a very solid pass receiver out of the backfield. So hey, if you're talking about a dual threat guy, on a marquee name like the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Kyron Williams is a fun bet. So I, I would definitely suggest it as well. I think it's an interesting one. And if nothing else, it makes it more interesting watching the game. A guy that you're rooting for who is going to be the bulk and the and the volume leader of your offense next year. And a very important piece, to say the least. And that was really what I was thinking was this team next year is going to lean on Kyron Williams a ton. Mm-hmm. They're going to need him to have a good season, to make up for losing the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, losing multiple receivers, some offensive linemen. He's the biggest returner as an offensive weapon. So he could go from 1,000 yards to possibly well over 1,500, or he could stick around 1,000. There's a pretty big ceiling for what Kyron Williams ultimately can do in this upcoming year. So the other odds that we have from betonline.ag are – the national championship odds. Mm-hmm. So going through the teams that are above Notre Dame, we have Alabama at plus 350, Clemson at plus 450, Georgia at plus 450, Ohio State at plus 650, Oklahoma at plus 750, Texas A&M plus 2,000, Iowa State plus 2,500, Florida plus 2,800, and then with the same odds, Notre Dame at plus 2,000. 800. So I would argue that that is a pretty accurate assessment for where Notre Dame belongs in this ordering because they are losing a number of offensive players. This team is going to be good next year, but it's not going to be as dominant as we saw they were. They might lose one or two regular season games. I mean, so you're breaking in a new quarterback who's going to be a one-year starter at Notre Dame. He's experienced, but he's still going to be in his first year at Notre Dame. You're breaking out four new offensive linemen, some defensive pieces that you need to figure out, some wide receivers that you need to figure out. And still, uh, despite that, Notre Dame sits with the tied for the ninth best odds 
to win a national championship. So it's, you know, Notre Dame's going to be in the running because we've built a good program that's consistently year in and year out winning 10 plus games. I think Notre Dame will still be in that ballpark next year. I would not bet money on them. I don't think if I'm being like smart with my money, it's another thing like, hey, if you want to maybe put a little boost to your fandom a little bit, right? Like you're rooting hard for the victories every week, obviously, maybe even more than typically because you have some money down. Like that's one thing. But I think Notre Dame next year is going to be a good team. I don't see them being a dominant football team. I, I see them still being about that 10-win plateau or so, maybe mm-hmm. eking out a couple of victories that maybe you don't see right now. But it's a lot of it's a lot of players that you're replacing in an offseason here. It's a lot of uphill battle, to say the least. Some good football players obviously coming back. But I think tied for the ninth best odds is still a good place to be in. So Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think it's a hot take to come out and say that. I think people need to realize that we're not saying that Notre Dame is going to only win three football games next year. So Notre Dame fans go easy on us. We're just trying to be realistic here Mm -hmm. based on what we're seeing. It's probably going to be a 10 or 11 win season where they're going to lose some close football games. That I think is the most optimistic projection. They can definitely outplay that. And I'm, I'm rooting for them to outplay that, but the honest way to look is based on what they're losing I would actually be very happy if they finished eighth in the country next year. Top eight, top five. Yeah. That would be fantastic. It's not going to be easy to immediately transition from a veteran laden group to the group that we're going to see now. It might be a gap between the next time that they're competing for the, uh, the college football playoff as, as we've seen happen. It's tended to happen, especially when you lose a veteran quarterback. Yeah, and I don't want to sound pessimistic, so that's a good call. There. No. They're not winning three to four games. It's not going to be Clark Lee down in Nashville next year winning three to four games. Right? <laughs> so we're, we're still – Notre Dame has still built a very good team. They've built a great program, a consistent winner over the last few years. I, I still think they're going to be the double-digit wins potentially. I just don't think that when you look at all the replacing – because if you told me, hey, Notre Dame has to replace a couple of receivers, a couple of defensive players, I'd be like, all right, we're in an okay spot though. The fact that you're replacing your quarterback, although he's experienced, and four of five offensive linemen, that's the big one for me. Four of five mm-hmm. offensive linemen, that's a lot of turnover. And from everything you're hearing, Jared Patterson, one, he's coming back from injury, so hopefully he'll be available early on in the season. But even if he is, he might be playing a different position. So you might have five guys that are playing a brand-new position as starting offensive linemen at Notre Dame. That's a lot to ask in a very short amount of time. It's going to be great for building that camaraderie and and down the stretch of the season and for the future. But as far as potentially winning a national championship next year, I think Notre Dame is is in a good spot with these rankings. But I I think that it makes sense that they're not one of the top five best odds or anything like that. Coming up, we will hear from Tyler Aki of Locked On Syracuse as we're going to do a crossover episode. Before we get to that, though, folks, I want to talk to you about Bet Online as we were just discussing. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure you use that promo code Locked On. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the podcast news that you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today. And heck, if you want to hear about that Carson Wentz trade, make sure you go check that out. There's going to be some really interesting conversations regarding that on Locked On Today. And joining the show now for the remainder, we're going to be doing a crossover episode with Tyler Aki of Locked On Syracuse. Tyler, long time no speak. It, uh, for those that don't know, we actually previously recorded this a while ago, and then we had to re-record it because of the cancellations, uh, because of the, the previous COVID issues that this game had. But right now, these two teams are dealing with indirect issues because of COVID. Notre Dame's game against Clemson being postponed. You were telling me about Syracuse's game against Louisville being postponed. So it seems like right now, both these teams have plenty of rest coming into the game. Unfortunately, this isn't the first or that that Notre Dame game wasn't the first and who knows might not be the last uh, rodeo that we went on of uh, recording content that was no longer valid about 24 <laughs> hours later, but such is the world we live in Joe great to be with you again. Um, but yeah, no, this this should be a pretty good game between Syracuse and Notre Dame. Yeah, I'm excited. And the one thing I've been talking about a lot leading up to this performance is Notre Dame might be struggling in their overall record, but if, if they do well in this game, it could really help them out in the ACC standings come ACC tournament time. So as we typically do, folks, with the crossover episodes, I'm going to ask Tyler some questions, and then we're going to flip the, uh, the script here. So, Tyler, I, I want to get into one thing that really stood out to me statistically for this Syracuse team. I noticed that they are very, very good with their perimeter defense, and they're only allowing around 30% of three-point percentage to their opponents. So the one thing I was really curious on is, would you say that is the result of them having good de defense, or do you think that there needs to be some context here that they were playing some bad three-point shooting teams? So I think context needs to be applied here, and it's the fact that, okay, they're shooting, or opponents are shooting 30% from three, and they're taking about 45% of their shots from three as well. So why is the defense only ranked about 80th in efficiency? Well, here's why. The rebounding for this team is awful. They allow so many offensive rebounding opportunities where you get the offensive board, you kick it back out, and you get another shot. So instead of coming down and shooting 100% on a possession, you're going to probably shoot 50% or maybe even 33% on a single possession and that's what leads to the, the numbers being bogged down to where they are. But in terms of the volume, again, you're shooting 30%, 31% on about 45% of your shots coming from three. 
usually you're shooting about 33% on maybe 37% of your shots coming from three. So, so many shots are getting put up against this team that where the percentages may be low, but if you're shooting in volume and those percentages are low and you're getting these extra opportunities to score, that's what's been the difference. And that's why I think it is a little bit flawed in terms of their perimeter defense. Yeah, that that's honestly the big concern for Notre Dame on a weekly basis because if they don't shoot well from three, pretty much every single game except their last one against Miami, they have lost. So that's a big concern. I know Notre Dame fans are worried about that. I'm definitely worried about that. So far, though, Syracuse, I've really noticed, has had some pretty good success. Uh, they have a, a quality record. They've gotten blown out by some ACC opponents. They also looked really good against Virginia Tech. So in those games that they've played their best basketball, what would you attribute that to? It comes down to one man and one man only. It's Kadari Richmond. He's their guard, their freshman guard that comes off the bench. And the thing with Syracuse is that they need consistency out of their three guards. Buddy Beheim, Joe Girard, and Kadari Richmond. Usually in the games where nothing's clicking, and I'll actually, I'll even throw Alan Griffin into that conversation as well. When they're playing really well as a team, three of those four guys are having solid to good nights. When they're playing poorly, only two of them are stepping up. And it's one of those things where defensively, Buddy and Joe are not great, especially at the top of the 2-3 zone. That's where a lot of the problems have arisen. And, and you see... Sure, it's a 2-3 zone, but at times it feels like it's a 1-1-1-1-1 zone because everyone's running around across the court with their heads cut off, it feels like. And the the transitions and the rotations just are all out of whack. So they need those guards to be consistent. If they get average games out of all four of those guys, they're going to win more games than not. It's when you see only one guy step up or two guys step up. That's where you fall into problems. And the thing is, is if you're not going to be a good player offensively, that hurts this team because Joe and Buddy aren't great defensively. Alan Griffin and Kadari Richmond are new to the zone, so they're still kind of figuring everything out. Kadari is their best defensive player, regardless of age, I would say, on the team. But he doesn't really have the stamina to go much more than 20, 25 minutes. We've seen that once he starts to dip into that 28 to 30 minute range, even sometimes when he gets to 25 minutes, he'll get a little sloppy offensively, turn the ball over and just make plays that you're not used to seeing out of him because he has been really good all season long. If you had to pinpoint and you kind of already touched on some of the weaknesses for the Syracuse team, if you had to pinpoint the reasons why they lost not just only losing a basketball game, but lost very handedly to a team like Pittsburgh, 96-76. to 76. Uh, They got beaten pretty badly by Virginia, who's one of the best teams in the country right now, 81-58. to 58. In those games where they've gotten beat by 20 or so points, what has been the big issue there? Because that's a, that's a pretty big loss for a team that is right around 500. It's been rebounding. And it's not even close. A lot of people like to point to the defense like, oh, Joe's not doing this. Buddy's not doing that. And yes, the defense is a part of it, too. But it ultimately comes down to rebounding, because in games where Syracuse has gotten out rebounded and I don't have the exact number in front of me, but they've only won one of them in games where they're allowing opponents to score. 
80 points uh, or 70 points. There are about 500 in each of those metrics. So they can let up points. They just can't let up the offensive rebounds and just get crushed on the boards. That's what it really comes down to. If Notre Dame can put together a good rebounding game plan in this one, they're going to have a lot of success, especially if those boards are coming on the offensive end. So last little piece, a uh, quick question I have for you here. You, you mentioned Alan Griffin earlier, and he has been killing it on the boards, uh, averaging 9.1 rebounds. Can you tell us a little bit more about what Notre Dame fans should expect from Alan Griffin as a player overall? So he's very susceptible to turning the ball over. If he's putting oh. the ball on the ground a lot, if you're seeing a lot of dribbling out of, out of Alan Griffin, you're going to see a lot of balls going the other way. Um, I will say this though. He's also very good at preventing some turnovers from happening. Like he'll get the ball poked away, but he's a freaky athlete. So he can jump right back on it and make a dive for it and maybe save a possession here or there, but he rebounds much bigger than his size. You brought up the, the prolific rebounding numbers there and he's only six foot five while doing that. But his father was a, an NBA player, Adrian Griffin, and is now a, a member of the Toronto Raptors coaching staff, was a big part of that championship team. He's also been rumored to be one of the next guys in line to be getting a head coaching job in the NBA as well. So he's got that pedigree. His younger brother is a five-star that's going to Duke next year. He's got a sister who's a freshman on UConn. So it's a very athletic, very basketball-oriented family, and I'm sure they'll bring that up at some point during the broadcast this weekend as well. But, no, he's a, he's a great scorer. He can shoot from all three levels. He's a transfer from Illinois. He uh, shot over 40% from three at Illinois, but he wasn't getting the minutes. So he came to Syracuse, was eligible right away, and has gotten those minutes and given the chance to shine. If you look every single game pretty much, he, I think – Syracuse fans, if you had to give them one pick each game of who's going to lead the team in scoring, and Tim and I do this on our show every week by by guessing who's going to lead the team in scoring, Alan Griffin will be the, the odds-on favorite every single week because he's got that explosiveness. Of all the guys, the guards that I pinpointed, he's the guy who shows up the most, and he brings it with the rebounding. You'll see some great blocks out of him, too. He had a game this year with seven blocks, so he can do a lot of really nice things for you. It just sometimes is a matter of, is he engaged for the full 40 minutes? Because if he loses focus in the first half or, or 20 to 25 minutes in, then you see him have some of those careless turnovers that he really needs to avoid if he wants to have an effective game. Before we continue on, folks, let's talk about Built Bar. The new coconut puff bar is out, which is luscious chocolate soft marshmallow made with premium collagen protein. 16 grams of protein, 130 calories, and only 6 grams of sugar. It's gluten-free, preservative-free, and for a limited time only, a one-day sale. Make sure you go and order them now. That is Built Bar, and head to BuiltBar.com to check out their latest bars, as well as tons of other fantastic products that they have to offer. All right, Joe, I think we start with this. Uh, I mentioned a little bit to you earlier about how Syracuse really struggles in terms of rebounding the basketball, and, and that's why the defensive metrics may be a little bit flawed in terms of how good they really are does Syracuse need to worry about this Notre Dame team rebounding the basketball on them? 
See, Notre Dame's rebounding has been highly inconsistent recently. Nate Lashevsky is a fantastic rebounder because he's he's tall, he's long, he's playing that four position. Jawan Durham is the player who I continuously point to for if Notre Dame has a good rebounding game. If, if Jawan Durham's getting his butt kicked down low by somebody who's stronger than him and more aggressive than him, then Notre Dame is going to get smoked in the rebounding margin. But if, if he comes out and he plays a good game, typically Durham will play better against teams that have smaller lineups. And there have been some outliers, like when they played Ohio State, EJ Liddell is not a very tall player compared to Durham, who is is a seven-footer. He did not have a very good game that, that day, and he also didn't rebound very well. It's all ultimately going to come down to, does Jawan Durham come to play? Does he rebound well? I can't pinpoint if Syracuse fans should be worried, but I, I would not be surprised if because of the smaller stature of Syracuse's lineup, if Notre Dame had a good rebounding game. I look at this team, and one thing that really worries me with Notre Dame is the three-point shooting. This team top 30 in the country, and Syracuse can have a tendency to make 30% three-point shooters look like 40% three-point shooters. And while there's no one really that's shooting 40% per se on this team, although I guess Nate Lashesky is has been quite the marksman for these guys, but they have a lot of very good guys hovering around 38 39%. Who are the guys that Syracuse fans should be worried about defensively because that guy can knock down a three here. That guy can get hot and get going. Like who are the, who are the guys that need to be marked as a part of this 2-3 zone? See, that's what makes Notre Dame so dangerous and why they've been able to shock some teams and and go up by 20 or or have these big leads on weaker ACC opponents or even stay close against a, a team like Virginia Tech is because pretty much anybody in their lineup can get hot. So what I mean by that is like Cormac Ryan rotates in and out of the lineup. Sometimes he starts, sometimes he's the sixth man off the bench and he'll come off the bench and he'll score 27 points and be well over 50% from three. If Cormac Ryan's not having a good game, Prentice Hub can step up. He's not the best three-point shooter, but he's one of those guys. Nailashevsky has been the most consistent that if you leave him open, he is going to burn you. He is going to knock down those shots. Trey Wirtz is a pretty good three-point sh- uh, shooter. Nick Jogo has proven that if you need a spark off the bench, he's another guy that's a good three-point shooter. This is not a lineup that's built to create their own three-point looks, but when they get good ball rotations on offense and they can create so just a little bit of space, they are very capable of knock down, uh, knocking down pretty much any three-point shot, as long as there's enough room for them to shoot. How would you say the ball rotation is with this team? Because that's something that really hurts Syracuse. One thing that we've seen with a team like Pitt is they'll march in and then they'll just whip that ball around the perimeter, get the defense all out of wax, and then the rotations break down and all of a sudden it's a wide open shot in the corner or on the wing. How good is Notre Dame at moving this ball? They're pretty. They're very good at moving the ball. It's a team that has been, the whole time Mike Bray has been coaching this team, has focused on fundamentals. So they don't turn the ball over a lot when they have settled offense. They get the ball around quickly. They only make smart, efficient passes. The issues that typically arise more is guys taking shots that aren't really there. They're not going to make a questionable pass. They're not going to try and force the ball all the way across the across the court and possibly get picked off or maybe try and force it down low and it gets picked off or knocked away. The biggest issue right now is Notre Dame taking shots that aren't there because nothing's opening up. 
The thing that worries me about this Notre Dame team is Lashesky, 6'10 guy. He can step out and hit the three. We've seen some teams go five out on Syracuse, four, four out, one in. I, I think this Notre Dame team is probably more of a four out, one in with a guy like Durham down low. How big of a mismatch do you feel like it is for to have a guy like Nate Lashesky? Because Syracuse has struggled with the bigs when they need to when they can step out and hit the three, because if you're rolling with four guys on the outside and Syracuse is kind of a little more compact on the inside, and you've also got a guy likely that you'll see at the high post for Notre Dame offensively, but how much do you, how confident are you that Nate Lashesky can maybe not break this game open and give Notre Dame a, a blowout victory, but that a guy like Lashesky can really put his fingerprint all over this one? Yeah. The, the thing with Lashesky is he has always consistently been a top two scorer on this team in pretty much any game. If they play poorly, if they play well, he has been the only real consistent player in this lineup. So you might have a guy like Prentice Hub, who many expected to be a star player this year, be non-existent. And you might have other guys in the lineup have little to no impact. But Lashevsky will hit three or four three-pointers. He'll finish with over 15 points. I, I believe right now he's actually one of the top, if not the top, a three-point shooting player in the ACC right now. So he's that dangerous. And the problem that you get with Lashevsky and that we have right now in college basketball is a lot of taller guys. There's not a lot of guys that are 6'10 playing that four spot in the ACC right now. Right, There's yeah. very few teams that have players that are that tall. So whoever's guarding him, he already has a space advantage. He already has that extra room just because he has the length advantage. So um, I, I think the problem is here is, who is the best and the quickest at defending? Who can play the best out there on the perimeter? Who can maybe knock him around? Because uh, he's he's not a like a wide guy. He's not a very heavy player. If you can knock him around a little bit, I think Lashevsky is somebody that maybe not get rattled, but you can at least slow him down a little bit because he's not built to take that kind of contact. These teams split their matchups last year. There are some pretty feisty games, some physical games. One thing that the Orange has struggled with traditionally, and I think it holds up this year once again, is teams that play very physical defensively. How would you assess the physicality of this fighting Irish defense? <laughs> I don't think they're that physical. Uh, Juwan Durham is a really good paint defender. This isn't going to be a team that's knocking you around and uh, you know creating turnovers that way. They're just going to try and cut down on space. They, they, they'll, they'll play some zone. Um, they've been successful when they've done it. it. It's more so they win off of technique and fundamentals rather than trying to be a physical aggressive team they're just they're not built like that if you look at the entire lineup it's a very very slightly built group even Juwan Durham's not a very wide guy he's just tall most of these guys have good length they're just they don't have the size to uh, have a physical presence from every single player in every single game Last one I got for you here. Defensively, Notre Dame, not the greatest. They're outside the top 140 on Ken Palm and defensive efficiency. What's been the biggest problem for this fighting Irish defense? I think the, the bigger issue that I've seen is transition defense. Whenever they're put into a spot where maybe they take they force a shot, they don't they do not cover the floor very quickly. This is not a, a, a very fast group. So if you have any athletes and they're able to get down the court fast, they can probably get to the basket pretty easily. There, there is not a lot of guys on this team that cover the court that quickly that they can transition like that. The other thing, too, that has really screwed Notre Dame recently is they'll go up and then they will 
be pressed by whoever's playing them. They'll 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 run a four a full court press, and Notre Dame for whatever reason cannot work out of that. So I think a lot of the points that they give up is because they're being forced to turn the ball over in less than ideal areas. Those are both interesting points because I think they're they're two components that kind of play in Syracuse's favor. The orange loves to run. They're one of the fastest paced teams in the country right now. And then on top of that, we have seen Syracuse employ pressure in the past. Uh, it hasn't been a whole lot this year, but it's one of those things that maybe if Jim Beheim has picked something up here or there about Notre Dame's struggles to handle a pressure situation. That's something that he might lean on defensively. So I'm intrigued to see how that plays out this weekend. Yeah, and knowing Jim Beheim, knowing how smart he is, uh, heck, when they played Duke, I mean, Coach K was smart enough to pick up on that and start doing that and start pressing. Any team that is, has relented and gave up a like a 15-point lead, they have immediately switched to a full-court press and said, all right, you know what? You guys are going to start running up the score and you're going to try and pull away. We're going to do the one thing that you're incapable of playing against. And you obviously can't sustain that throughout a whole game. But if if Notre Dame builds a, uh, builds a 10-point lead, I would not be shocked if a full-court press comes out because knowing Jim Beheim, he's probably going to have something like that ready to go. Cool. That's all I got. All right. Well, I think that's a good note to end us on here. Uh, Tyler, uh, is there anything that you'd like to plug for uh, people to find you on social media? Yeah, you can check out our show at LO underscore Syracuse. And then you can find myself at Tyler, A-K-I underscore. Uh, we'll, Tim and I are with, just like Joe is uh, on Locked On Irish. Uh, Tim and I are with everyone, all the Syracuse fans, every single weekday, Monday through Friday. So go ahead, hit that subscribe button and, and check us out. And same for me at Joe DeLeon. Uh, if you're listening on the Locked On Syracuse stream, hit that subscribe button for Locked On Irish. Uh, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll see you next time.